guys, I'm Taylor Rooks. Hi, I'm Joy Taylor. Hey, what's going on? Ari Chambers, check it in. Hey, I'm Lauren A. Jones. Hey, this is Jesse Washington, and I am on screen. And I'm on screen. And I'm on screen. And I'm on screen. And I am on screen with East Lorraine. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of On Screen with East Lorene. And today with me I have former NFL wide receiver, husband, father, Oscar Award winner, NFL analyst, and part-time social media comedian, Andrew Hawkins. So how are you doing today? I'm doing well, East. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. As like, I know I listed off a bunch of things, but who are you? And amongst all your titles, what would you define yourself as? Oh, that's a good question. And I, I, I honestly have trouble like answering that. Um, obviously a former athlete, that's important to me because it was so much of my life. You know, now I would just probably identify myself as, a, as an entertainer, mm-hmm. um, both in front of the screen and off. So I would say entertainer and storyteller is, is how I would describe myself. But before, like, even that, I know you came from an athletic family, an athletic background. Your cousin was successful in the Canadian Football League. Another cousin was successful in the NFL. I believe your brother played in the NFL for about nine years. So when you were younger, did you feel a lot of pressure to succeed in football professionally? Actually, I didn't. It was kind of the opposite. I felt like um, because I've had so many successful athletes in my family, I think just as we've been taught, um just in our society is that lightning doesn't strike more than once so I think I was kind of an afterthought and I think it made me more hungry to to be successful in sports than other people expected to be honest no one had any expectations of me because in their mind oh there's no way anybody could top this we got lucky with with these with these athletes so for me it was that kind of like motivation and chip on my shoulder to be like oh somebody should be paying attention to me too and I would say you had odds stacked against you, but you know, you're also like shorter. You're only 5'7", but I'm 5'7", too, just to let you know. So I don't really think <laughs> that's a big deal. But I know you had mentioned before, like that's the only bad thing you wanted, the only bad review you wanted about you. You wanted all your other pros to knock that out, so. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, football is a land of giants, man. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, we've all, we are, in our mind, we all have what a stereotypical professional football player looks like. And like I said, I had that chip on my shoulder. I am, uh, you know, I've, I've always had a heart. I've never been the, the back down type. I go in and try to conquer anything and anybody. And in football, you need that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my early pressure test in pressure cooker was, was just that. It wasn't the fact that I just automatically thought I was good. You know, I would get out there and, it didn't matter what size somebody was. I, I knew they knew what time it was. And I'm like, if I keep doing this every time I every level I go on, it didn't make sense to me while I while why I shouldn't go to the next level. If it didn't matter how big these guys were and where they came from, it was always the same result when they went against me. I'm like, well, I should be able to keep climbing. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the, the motivation that I had to, to, to kind of keep going. So like after all the success you had um, on the day, you, it was time for you to retire. Like, what went through your mind? Because I believe you mentioned before, like, you thought you you tried to retire after your first re- first year with the Bengals because, like, your original goal was just to sign an NFL contract. And so, what was once your ceiling became your floor. So, yep. with that, when it was actually when you actually did retire, how did that you know come about? It was uh, it was it was mixed. It was mixed in the sense of yeah, I tried to retire after my first year because I accomplished my goal. My goal was never to win Super Bowls or be a pro bowler or 
play in the NFL for a bunch of years. It was to play one game. So I can tell everybody, look, you were wrong. I was good enough and I made it. Um, I just didn't know how wrong they were. You know, so that was my thing. So when I got there, it, became, it was actually, I'm not even kidding. By the time I got to the NFL, it was the easiest version of football I'd ever played. And it was supposed to be, be the hardest. And so I kept going. And but what, well, when I kept going, while I didn't retire, it was like, okay, well, let me start to prepare for, for life after football. Because, you know, maybe I'll last two years. Maybe I'll last three years. Maybe I'll last four, five. It just kept going. And so that whole time I was just preparing for when, everything was done to the point where it got, where I could walk away and I felt good about it. And, you know, I wasn't like, I've never missed playing football since I've retired, you know, because of that reason, because I got what, five, six extra years than I planned on getting. So I got my feel. Um, but at the same time, it was tough to retire because you don't make it to the NFL without that being your focus, without football being probably the main part of your life outside of your family and maybe, maybe your faith. Um, mm -hmm. And because of that, it's like the, the longest relationship I'd ever had. So no matter if I felt like I was ready or not, to walk away from something that I've been doing since I was seven, that I identified as since I was seven, that I did, you know, every single April 4th, I knew where I was going to be. Since I was seven years old, I was going to be in football practice. You know, so to walk away from that was a tough decision. Like on top of proving people wrong, like you didn't just succeed, but you also went on to go to graduate school at a Ivy League University, Columbia University at that. Um, so what was that experience like and how did you get, gain the discipline and even just the, you know, the, the mindset to achieve that while playing football? That was ex extremely tough to be doing that all at the same time. Um, you know, but it was extremely tough to get to the NFL. That was like, to this day, getting to the NFL was the hardest thing I'd ever, I'd, I'd ever done because I had to, you know, it took three years after college and I went through hell and back and, you know, it was some, 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 some very, very tough times and it would have been easiest in that moment to, to been like, you know, it's ain't working out. Let me go try to get a regular job. Let me go try to, you know, make ends we hit, hit. And I took it on the chin. I was like, you know, I'm not doing that. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. So I think my discipline built from there. And what that taught me was, A, people don't know what the hell they're talking about. So don't listen to them, right? And people have no idea what people are capable of, mm -hmm. right? So don't ask people what you're, what you're capable of. And so while I was playing, while it seemed like, you know, I mean, I may ask one person, like, hey, I'm thinking about going to Columbia and doing, oh, online classes. Nope, not online classes. I'm going to be flying back and forth to New York. They're like, this, this, you're an idiot. There's no way you could do it. You got a family. You got football. Um, and because of the, the process of me getting to the league, it didn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. I knew that, okay, that's going to be hard, but I remember how hard it was before. And I remember how big the payoff was. Now in my mindset, when things are hard, I tell my kids, when I, I say, when it's hard, they say it's good because in my mind, the harder things are, the bigger the payoff is in the end. Mm -hmm. So that was my mindset going through that, um, grad school football, family, working out, all that stuff at the same time. That's a word right there. The harder things are, the bigger the payoff is in the end. That's, that's good. Yeah. And plus, like, I just really want to congratulate you because even with, like, maintaining, like, a 4.0 um, GPA and everything like that, shoot, congratulations. <laughs> like, really. <laughs> Transitioning, you know, post-retirement, how did you, well, where did your inspiration come to delve into media and the entertainment industry? 
Um, I don't know if I had a, a motivation, so to speak. I think it's just kind of, you know, at some point you end up finding what you're good at. My older brother, he, he got into media. Um, and a lot of what I do is because of my older brother. I should say that because he was um, him playing in the NFL. He was 10 years older than me. So he got to go through a lot of the things, 75% of the things I went to in front of me. And I had a front row seat for, to that. And I could see all the things that worked out great for him. And I could see the things that didn't work out so great. I could see things where I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I would try to change this, understanding this is how this ended up. Um, but I say that to say he, he started off in media. And much like everything else, I got to see him go through that process. And I could make corrections and say, okay, you know, basically somebody handed me the answers to the test with the red marks already on it. So when I got in the media, I felt like I had a little bit of an upper hand because I knew the game a little bit. And the reason why I got it, I actually started, I interned with um, Uninterrupted in Spring Hill uh, for Maverick Carter. And when I retired, I wasn't going to go into doing it in front of the camera stuff. Um, but after the conversation with me and Mav about me coming on full time as an executive with the company, I told him, I said, hey, you know, I'm getting some feels about, you know, some radio work. And he said, hey, you should do it because you might like it. And you're just retiring. And although you think this is what you want to do, you know, who knows, you might be pretty good at it and it could, it could bring, put on a whole new life for you. So that was the reason why I kept going in the media. Otherwise, I had no intentions on doing it. I got to give a shout out to Matt Carter for that. Um, but yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, just doing, doing that side, you know, when I was young, my mom went to uh, the Art Institute in the New York Film Academy one summer when she was older. And so she would be editing at the house and I would be sitting there beside her as she's editing or when she got a student project, she would make me be the act in the, in, the, in the student film she would do for class. And so I think like the combination of the people I was around helped build the bug, helped build a little bit of a foundation for me to, to what I'm doing today. Bringing that Spring Hill and Uninterrupted, what is um, one of your favorite projects that you've been able to work on so far? Mm, one of my favorite projects. Um, my favorite project hasn't come out yet and it hasn't been announced. So I can't, I can't talk about that, but a close <laughs> second. Uh, <laughs> A close second favorite project was a, was a project we, we did called the Glass Helmet. Um, and the Glass Helmet is like, a, it's not actually a glass helmet, but it's a, it's a, it's a transparent helmet mm -hmm. that kind of shows the faces of the, of the NFL players. We did a photo series, we did video series. Um, and it's it basically digging into who, the, who football players are as people. Mm -hmm. I think behind the, the, the thinking was behind the helmet, behind the face mask. Um, you only see Jersey, you see a warrior, but it's like actually people under there. And we did an event at the Super Bowl um, in 2019 in Miami um, where we had hosted by Nate Burleson, who was obviously a former football player and host. Um, and we had four professional athletes come in and tell their stories. So Cam Newton was there, Tua Tungvaloa, uh, Jalen Ramsey, maybe three athletes. We had a, a musical guest, Toby Nwigwi, who is um, – an up-and-coming hip-hop artist blew up this past year. He's also a former football player. He played football at North Texas before getting injured. We had the event was catered by a former football player. The photographer for the event was a former football player. The videographer for the event was a former football player. And it was just this really, really cool moment of empowering people outside of what they did on the field. Because everyone was doing these really cool things. Um, and for them, it was very gratifying to be recognized for what they've done in this second act and this second life. Uh, so I thought it was just a really cool event because it, it, it really embodied the ethos of what we do, which is more than an athlete. 
So is there anything that you haven't been able to bring to light yet that you would like to, regardless of projects or empowering athletes like you did, I just mentioned with the Glass Helmet Project, but is there anything on your own that you wish to? A bunch of projects I want to bring to life. I got <laughs> a bunch I haven't been able to bring to life yet. I really do think I'm really, really early in this. Mm -hmm. I have really, really cool things coming up, but I, I, I am confident that I am just getting started. Um, so I am excited. I am excited to see what the what the future holds because, you know, I feel like I'm just now getting my footing, um, and, and really planting my feet and people seeing me and 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 seeing the things that I create, um, the way I've always envisioned. And just you talking about like everything that you've accomplished, like I know some people who have a lot of success. They don't. They really take time to reflect on their own accomplishments and be like, Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I. You know, I'm the shit for that. Like, do you ever take time and be like, oh, okay, I. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. That is, honestly, I thought about that yesterday because I, I, I focus so much on the details and the, you know, I'm so ingrained in getting to the next step and everything that comes with it that by the time it happens, it is a little watered down for me. And I do have, I do have trouble sitting back and seeing the whole picture because I'm always so laser focused. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's something I I, I want to I'm trying to work on, to mm -hmm. be honest, because it doesn't, you know, where you might hear some of those things that I've done or been a part of and be like, oh man, he's he's doing what in my mind, I mean I'm I'm not even started yet. Like I'm like I don't I don't got nearly the respect I feel like I I, I want and I set out for it. and the goals are all so much bigger than what I've already done. In my mind, it's like I always have that chip on my shoulder which is not always a great thing, but it, it is motivating and it keeps me going. One thing I do hope you reflected on is winning an Oscar. So how was that experience yeah. for you? That was really, really cool being a part of that project for a lot of reasons, because trying to pound these doors down and you put things out there, you try to be a part of things that are, um, you know, you think are going to put you in a better spot in your career. And then there are the things that, you know, just attached to you in your heart, right? And you're like, I just like this. I think this, for me, that was hair love. So I'm doing all these things, trying to, you know, get in and, 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 and make my plan to make my mark and to get in entertainment. And hair love was just a story that I just love. And I got twin daughters who just turned six. And at the time, I think they were two. Mm -hmm. um, when I first, which is I think 2017, but me and Matt Cherry first uh, hooked up on Hair Love. And to me, it was just, oh, this is a really dope story I want my daughters to be able to see. And I want them to be able to see this, this film and cartoon and you know, understand very early on um, that they're beautiful, right? And, the, and that it can bat all the, 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 the bullshit that they'll hear <laughs> over time in the media or the way they'll portray things. So that, that was my impetus in getting involved with Hair Love. I just wanted it to come out so that my daughters could see it. Yeah. Um, that was it, you know, and when I read the script, which didn't have any dialogue or, or, or words, I teared up and it's again, 2017. And I, and I, I was texting him. I'm like, Hey, this movie's going to win an Oscar. Now I hadn't even retired yet when I got attached with Matt, with Matthew Cherry and hair love. And I wasn't in the entertainment business. You know, I told my agents at the time that I was just started representing me for media. I'm like, Hey, this is going to win an Oscar. And everyone looked at me like I was crazy. Like, what the hell do you know? about what's going to win an oscar mm -hmm. you know, like you don't you haven't you don't do anything you know and so through the process at every step of the way i just it, it was a, it was a great lesson for me that you gotta trust your taste 
as always, much like the NFL thing. I, I just I knew there was something special there. I could feel it. I knew the people involved were special, like Matthew Cherry, who again wrote and directed, and he is a rock star and also a former athlete as well. Um, and yeah, just as the as the process goes, that was really cool for that to win an Oscar, which was incredible. But it was just more of like a a some your passion, all the things that I was setting up to, you know, give me the chance of entertainment. The thing that was just a passion thing, a thing I just loved and just liked and just wanted my daughters to see was the thing that propelled the most, right? So it was a, it was a very good lesson in just being yourself and and trusting your own taste. Yeah, it'd be things that you least expect sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But just as much like as you have succeeded in every other professional and career aspect of your life, I know you put that much effort into being a husband and a father. And, you know, Mother's Day is coming up. So do you have any plans regarding for that? Uh, I, I, not that I want to put on, uh, of course. You know, on, on the public. But, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that is the, the number one thing. That's my mo- number one motivator, my family. Man. I, I, they've been such a blessing. Um, and, you know, just... And all those aspects, just trying to be better every day, you know what I mean? And, and, and have my kids grow up and say, man, I, I was, I look back fondly on my time with my parents and what they've taught me and also be a resource for them forever, you know, that they could always call. They could have this place where, you know, no matter what it is, they have people to talk to. They know that somebody loves them and will, you know, go to hell and back to make sure they're okay. And yeah protecting them and, and all of that. I mean, that's, 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 that's my goal with any of this is to provide and protect for my family. And I also love how you incorporate them within like the skits that you do, which is one thing that I did want to touch base on. Like <laughs> the last dance thing you did was funny and the NBA draft, um, NBA draft um, skit that you did was hilarious to me. So like, and I know you did one with your son, which was so cute. So just how does that even come up in your brain to do those? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just like um, exaggerations of, you know, just what I what I'm like on a daily basis. I mean, I'm a clown to be honest. I like to have fun. I'm very businesslike when it, the time comes, but in my you know in my chill time, I'm a jokester. I've always been my whole life. Anyone who knows me will say that. And so with the content, you know, I understood similar to the hair love thing, and you know, while watching my brother and everyone else, I understood the opportunity was being myself. And I'm like, if I can get paid to be myself like who what kind what better job is that you know like what 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 job will you find to get paid to goof around and so you know with the content that's what i try to do i try to bring forward myself bring forward my personality bring forward exaggerated situations mm-hmm. you know, i'm with my my family all day especially here in the quarantine and it is you know my kids came on here right now and you ask them what's the number one thing your dad does they would say he jokes too much <laughs> Frank, everything is always messing up. I joke constantly. And so to do that with them on camera or like incorporate them in that is just my normal life. It's what I do all day. So it is, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool to have like my kid, my son who was nine, look back on videos from when he was three and be like, you don't act any different than you did. People think you're joking with this stuff. This is really what you do. So it's like, you know, it's just almost just documenting what we're, what we're doing on a day to day basis. So before I get you out of here, I won't let you go. But I did want to ask, um, so what is like a quote or just something you live by on an everyday basis that keeps you going? I know you talk about your faith a lot and talk about, you know, your belief in God and stuff like that. So is there any quote in scripture, anything that you harbor with you every day to keep you going? Mm. 
every day. Um, there's one, there's one, there's one um, saying that I, I kind of put everything around that. That's the comedy to entertainment to it, you know, to activism, to, you know, anything that I do is that wise people speak because they have something to say speak <laughs> because they have to say something. Right. So I try to, in everything that I do, you know, there's a reason behind it. Um, it's not just being involved in things because people say you should be. It's not following a playbook that everyone else thinks you should play. Um, speak the way that people want you to speak in a situation. It's like, that's something I always aspire to, to make sure that when I'm saying something, it's because I want to say it. And as much as I can, as time goes on, say the exact way that I think I should say it. That's the goal with, with any of the stuff that I'm doing on the entertainment side. So. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on to be on screen with Issa I appreciate you and your time so, so much. My pleasure, Issa. I appreciate you having me.